New year. New us. New doctor. We're back to revisit Twice Upon a Time. And give you a sneak peek into this year in time travel. It's January 9th. Welcome to This Week in Time Travel. Hey, Alyssa, it's real. It's really, really real. Do you know how I know it's really, really real? How do you know it's really, 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 really real? It's so really infinity real that the new cover for Doctor Who magazine uh, that's coming out this week, this Thursday, there it is. There's Jodie Whittaker in her costumed finery, and there's the caption, Jodie Whittaker is the Doctor. And that is what makes it official, folks. We've got Jodie Whittaker on her way with her own absolutely gorgeous Doctor Who magazine cover. And you can really see the light blue of her coat this time. It's quite lovely. Costuming help is on the way. Um, You know, I wanted to lead off with that. It's not really news, and yet it is, because last time we talked about the whole theme of Twice Upon a Time, which is, you know, it's time to let the Doctor go. I really do believe that Jodie Whittaker is the Doctor now. It's no longer a future thing. It's a now thing. The 13th Doctor is here. She's played by Jodie Whittaker. She is a woman. The future of Doctor Who is here. Peter Capaldi, sad to say, is the past of Doctor Who. I'm kind of giddy about this as much as I loved Capaldi. The reality of Doctor Who is Jodie Whittaker is the Doctor. It does feel like... I'm immensely lighter now because you don't have that dread of Capaldi's regeneration hanging over us. It was there. It was beautiful. It was sad. And now we get to go forward with just pure happiness and excitement and joy for Jodie Whittaker being here. And we get to just wholeheartedly and enthusiastically indulge in speculation, sneak peeks, costume teasing, all of it. We just get to wait for all of those behind-the-scenes set photos that are going to start leaking out on Twitter soon. We get to start thinking about who's writing and directing her first episodes and what they're going to look like and sound like and feel like. Uh, It's just, it's all happiness and joy and wonder from here on out. (laughs) (laughs) Although I don't think that we're going to get a lot of help for that speculation from Chris Chipnell, our new showrunner. A little bird shared with us some information. They had actually seen an advanced copy of the new issue of Doctor Who magazine, which at the time of recording is not out yet. And they have seen the production notes column that Stephen Moffat used to write, that Russell T. Davis used to write, and that Chris Chibnall will have – well, he – Will have written? No. He wrote it. It's just going to be published, and it's going to be under his name. And we are told that he is not giving anything up. Yeah, I think it is a interesting approach, and I'll be curious to see how that happens moving forward. All credit to Chibnall. I understand how he's feeling about wanting to be protective over his show. I think that, yeah, there have been some things that have leaked early um, as a result of the Cast and crew saying things. But I do also think that Moffat and the production team in Cardiff, you know, had a lot of stuff leaked that they 
didn't really want to be leaked. A large part of Peter Capaldi's first episodes leaked early online. Scripts got hacked. I don't know if there is the right word based on how they were released, but found through surreptitious means and mm-hmm. shared via the internet. The whole big reveal of John Sim coming back to be the master was something that was really pushed by um, the BBC. That was something yeah. that during production, they fought very hard to keep secret. And then there's also just sort of the reality of what the set pick culture is like nowadays. There is a dedicated crew of people that just basically spend most of their time while Doctor Who is in production following all of the off-site filming locations, getting all of the details that they can, taking photos. Um, So I'll be curious to see what Chibnall does, but I think it's a very different universe that Doctor Who is being created in now. Uh, they better have real dang good digital security. They better have those sets locked down. And they're also just going to have to deal with the reality that people make mistakes and things are going to leak out sooner than they would like. Yeah. As a matter of fact, that wasn't the timing of Jodie's costume reveal sort of as a result of a, an anticipated leak or something like that? I think it was mostly as a result of the fact that there were going to be on-site filming Mm -hmm. moments that were going to be taking place and set pics were going to get taken and shared on the internet. I mean, that's what forced them to release almost all of the important and interesting information last season. They were going to have that big scene with all of the Cybermen in the streets. So they needed to reveal that they were bringing back the Mondasian Cybermen. They were going to have David Bradley out and about. So that kind of got released. There's some things that they just need to get released early because those details need to be out early because it's either you do the professional photograph and the big reveal and get that engagement number on social media for your own accounts, or you let some random person who's on the Doctor Who set recon Twitter hashtag find and post those pictures and get all of that engagement and intention themselves. Yeah, we are at a point where we don't know the first thing about the characters who will be the Doctor's companions. We know the casting, and that's all we know. We don't know the scenario that Jodie Whittaker is going to be operating under. There's been some speculation that the disappearance of the TARDIS might even mean, I think, Stephen Chapansky at Radio Free Scarrow has been uh, waving the flag for a TARDIS-less season and stuff like that. We just don't know. The show is not likely to come back until around August. There is plenty of time for them to get stuff done without having to do early marketing and timing this stuff is really really tricky you've got a general audience that you've got a snag not just us miserable fanboys and fangirls who are just clutching for any kind of uh, information that we can get so i think it's going to be a few months before they loosen up and actually start teasing for us what we're going to see Yep. And I certainly look forward to it. Basically, the only details I want leaked right now are exact specifications on Jodie Whittaker's costume and links to places of which I can buy replica coats because God forbid I will never, ever find a coat that looks like that on Etsy in in any way that I can do it up myself. And I'm absolutely 
terrible at sewing on my own, so don't expect me to put together any of those pieces on my own. Come on, Ray Holman, give us the details. I'm waiting for the details. <laughs> okay, and that will be, uh, if you uh, come to the Gallifrey One convention this February, you will see Alyssa holding a picket sign, I want the fabric patterns. I want the fabric patterns. Dang it, it's too late to order Gallifrey One ribbons. I would so do that! <laughs> So uh, that is the future of Doctor Who, but let's uh, take a quick look back at the past. Twice Upon a Time had an official viewing figure of 7.92 million viewers in the UK and an audience appreciation score of 81. Now, the 7.92 million viewers is pretty darn respectable. Overnight, they placed like fifth for the day. They're really good numbers. Doctor Who had a good audience. The appreciation index score is just a point less than it was last year for Dr. Mysterio. Still fairly good numbers. Yeah, um, I was reading online that this is basically the biggest audience that Doctor Who has had since last Christmas. So not barn breaking like anything else before it, but still good and respectable. So I, you know, I think we're going to have a lot of people tuning back into Doctor Who when Jodie Whittaker arrives. I think Chris Chibnall uh, knows how to put together a compelling series of television. So he is going to want to create an easy entry point for people. Um, so I think you're going to see uh, a lot of new viewers coming back in for her first proper full episode. I think a lot of people were looking and realizing that if they weren't already watching Doctor Who at this point, uh, it'd be hard to catch up on her first episode or on Capaldi's last episode, I should say. So I think it's a fresh start. We'll see how things move from here. Yeah. Anecdotally, if you had listened to my previous podcast once in a while, my wife Shannon would make an appearance and she drifted away from Doctor Who in the middle of series six. She has talked in some other fora about how she knew that Doctor Who wasn't grabbing her anymore when something that really should have hit her hard when Amy's baby was revealed to be a ganger that it didn't hit her. That was just her signal that, you know, Moffat's Doctor Who is not for me. I was much more into Russell T. Davis's Doctor Who. I'm opting out. She came back for Twice Upon a Time. She watched Twice Upon a Time with me, and I was giddy. I was I, I was giddy. And she thought it was pretty good, And but she was really excited about Jodie Whittaker and Jodie Whittaker's reveal. I think that Doctor Who is not only going to be new, it's going to be profoundly new, and that will bring some eyeballs in and it's going to bring my spouse's uh eyeballs back that sounds pretty creepy um <laughs> but one of our friends visited the uk and was not just hanging out with doctor who fans but uh, hanging out with uh the not we as well and <laughs> he reported that the he thinks that the general audiences in the uk they still think that doctor who is fine it's still getting good not 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 just respectable, but good ratings. But he doesn't think that the buzz is quite as strong in the general population as it used to be. I wonder if that's just an idiosyncratic reaction for one person, uh, seeing what they say. Or did Stephen Moffat and Peter Capaldi, in their three years on the show, did they wind up making a show that seemed to be tuned more to devoted and attentive fans? You know, a show that rewarded attention as opposed to a show that was more welcoming to the casuals. 
I mean, I think it really depends. I found this a lot more accessible than some previous seasons of Doctor Who. I felt that there were definitely some episodes that were not sort of casual viewing. Like, I would not send anyone to Heaven Sent as being their first episode. That doesn't mean that it shouldn't exist. I think if oh, you look Lord. at... Yeah, I, it's a fantastic episode of, of Doctor Who, but it is not a starter episode. And I think that... They took the show to new and challenging places, which it needs to do once it's been going for a long time. The sort of beauty of Doctor Who is, though, that it can reinvent itself and that it can relaunch and bring in a whole new series of viewers. Like if this was still the exact same show that had been existing since 2005, as in, you know, we still had the same core set of actors, give or take a few, still the same production team. You know, the show would probably be getting a bit tired at this point just because the people doing it would be a bit tired and we'd be running out of stories. But there's a big refresh with bringing in an entirely new production team and a new cast. And that has happened a couple of times. And that keeps the show fresh and moving forward. So it needs to go to new and challenging areas. But it also always has the opportunity to refresh itself. The Doctor Who that comes back next fall is going to be entirely different from what we have seen before. And that's great. And it's going to be a new entry point for viewers who want to come in and get into this show. But I don't think it's wrong that the previous seasons were as detailed and challenging and complicated as they were. It, it needs to be both. And it occupies a very unique position in our pop culture history that it really can be both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just keep coming back to the fact that Heaven Sent is one of the most brilliant hours of television I've ever seen. And it got some of the lowest AI numbers, the appreciation index numbers. And that just seems to be a small gap between the broader audience that responds to these appreciation indexes and the people like us who really care about Doctor Who, who care about Peter Capaldi, who Heaven Sent was a an episode-long monologue. And it was mm -hmm. amazing, but it was not something that somebody just sort of drifting in through the living room um, and seeing what happened to be on would have gotten. And like, I understand the value of audience appreciation indexes and scores and things, but it's the same reason that I sort of tell people don't judge an episode's value by one round of the Bechdel test, you know, like data only presents a part of the picture. And this was you know, there's episodes that are not quite as appealing to a general audience member and episodes that completely resonate in some areas of a fandom entirely differently. That if you are much more immersed in the genre, in the show's history, in just that particular time of Doctor Who, that that really speaks to you, you're going to love it a lot more than, well, I've been watching the last two weeks and I'm not really sure about how I'm feeling about this or uh, this era never really spoke to me anyways, or I'm just not up on all the things that they are referencing in this episode. You know, date is important, but don't let it be the end-all be-all of things. I don't think that gap is necessarily widening. I think you'll see it with any sort of long-running television show and a general audience member that there's just going to be a bit of a gap sometimes between how some people respond to it and how others do. And, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's important that it does get to refresh itself and have sort of a new entry point on for brand new people. 
Yeah. The longer a show runs, the more complicated it's possibly going to get because we know these characters. We need to push these characters through newer situations. We can't recycle plots and things like that. And every once in a while, you need to hit a reset button. And I think that's what's coming. Yep. But before we hit that reset button, there's one more bit of news, which is my favorite bit of news that I wanted to bring up. This happened a little while ago, and I discussed it on Twitter, if you follow me there, but I realized we hadn't talked about it here on the podcast yet. That's the Series 9 soundtrack coming out in 2018, y'all. It's really about excited. time! It is so about time. I cannot just wait to buy all of it and just have it in my ears all the time. It's going to be my new work music. It's going to be my new commuting music. It's going to be the soundtrack of my life, baby. <laughs> How angry are your coworkers going to get? I'm just asking. I am extremely considerate with my use of headphones. Excuse you. I have basic manners for the 21st century. Murray Gold music. Headphones. That seems unfair to Murray Gold's music. It's meant to be shared, Alyssa. It's meant to be pumped directly into my ears is where it's meant to be. Okay. We have a fundamental philosophical difference here that I don't think that we're going to overcome. Fight me. Okay, y'all, we're going to uh, take a momentary break and let you know what's going on with our friends here at the Incomparable Network. And then when we come back, we'll let you know what's on the way for 2018 as we await the return of Doctor Who and the arrival of Jodie Whittaker and company. This week on The Incomparable Network. Erica meets the Faceless Ones for the first time ever on Lazy Doctor Who. On The Incomparable, a huge panel drafts their favorite TV theme songs. There may have been singing. Be afraid. And The Incomparable Game Show, Inconceivable, has never been more hilarious as two teams test their knowledge of the nerdy, useless, and obscure. All this and more at TheIncomparable.com. So, Alyssa, we've got roughly 50 weeks worth of Doctor Who podcasting to do, not counting breaks uh, this year. And as we said at the beginning, Chris Chibnall at the moment is just not giving us anything to talk about as far as the upcoming series is concerned. What are we going to do? Well, luckily for all of you, that New Year's break that we had wasn't really a break. We sat down and we plotted out the year as far out as we could see it. And we have three big themes that we're going to talk about. The first one, which we will be launching next week, is a revisitation of the 12 Doctors. Uh, Leading up to Jodie Whittaker's 13th, of course, we're taking a look back at those who came before her, and we're going to talk about favorite episodes, good introduction points for newbies, and what we love about each of the Doctors. And when possible, we'll bring in some partisans who support a particular Doctor. I'm looking very much forward to having Warren Fry from Radio Free Scarrow come in to talk about how much he loves the 7th Doctor. I will be over here waving my flag for the third doctor <laughs> in my little corner. <laughs> no, um, I, I ju- I, that screaming that you just heard was Warren, who hates the seventh doctor with a, with a passion. So if this had been a video podcast, you'd have seen me staring into the middle distance after I said that. 
I'm just looking forward to the inevitable drinking in the game that's going to happen during the Eighth Doctor movie because you really just need to be playing a drinking game. This is not a commentary on the quality of it. This is a commentary on the fact of you just really, really need a good glass of bourbon for Eric Roberts' interpretation of the master. He always comes dressed for the occasion. I always come with the right drinking material for the occasion. So we will be starting with the first Doctor, of course, next week. You know, we just saw him in the persona of David Bradley. Uh, I imagine we'll even mention Richard Herndl, but I think we'll spend most of our time talking about the original, you might say. That's also going to be broken up a lot because uh, those 13 weeks of Doctor Who is also convention season. So there's going to be a bit of a pause there as we report back from Gallifrey One in Los Angeles and Regeneration Who in Baltimore. If you're going to be at either of those conventions, hit us up, let us know. We'd love to say hi. At least one of your humble uh, co-hosts will be there, hopefully both of them. Next up for 2018, we are going to be celebrating fandom activities, fanfic, fan vids, fan crafting. We're going to take a look at some of our favorite creative activities with the help of a few of our craftier friends. Doctor Who is a really participatory culture, uh, at least the, the fandom is. And people have made so much, you know, podcasting, of course, but the the fan creativity cosplay as you mentioned earlier that's a it's something that's really important to you Alyssa we're going to get some of the people involved who do what they do and love what they love so we're going to find out more about how they do it and how you can get involved in it if you want to share in it now we don't know exactly when Jodie Whittaker is going to step onto the TARDIS. We feel that it's going to be sometime in the fall. So how long this particular section of our podcasting this topic will take is still a little bit up in the air. But once we are finished revisiting the 12 Doctors and celebrating the fandom activities, we are going to be looking ahead to welcome Jodie Whittaker. That's right. We'll take a look back at her previous work. We'll talk about The Long Road to a Woman Doctor. And we will, of course, speculate because eventually some information's gotta come out. But those of us on this side of the pond, aside from probably Broadchurch, we haven't seen an awful lot of Jodie Whittaker. So let's uh, dig in and learn more about her and uh, about how she got to where she is. So we're really looking forward to discussing this in the year ahead. If you have anything you'd like to hear us chat about, uh, whether it's your favorite doctor, your favorite fanfic, and what you're most looking forward to about Jodie Whittaker, send it our way. You can find us on Twitter, either at our handle DRWhoThisWeek. Chip and I are also both on Twitter. So you can send your ideas that way. And uh, we'd love to hear what you guys are thinking. Absolutely. This is a loose plan. Things will change. Crises will happen. Great ideas may just spring unbidden from our collective forehead. Or we could just have another catastrophe like I had today where all of a sudden all of the appliances in your house start leaking black water. And no, that is not an episode of Doctor Who called Dark Water. There were no Cybermen in my sink. Just awful putrid mess. My sewers are revolting. You say that there were no Cybermen. But do you really know that there weren't? There may have been glass people that you just didn't happen to see. 
Oh, God, is this like the episode where the Cybermen like seeded the entire Earth and then just like spotted out of everywhere? Am I going to like turn into a Cyberman in the middle of the night because I touched the black water? God help me. So a short episode of This Week in Time Travel. We come back next time to talk about the first Doctor. This Week in Time Travel is found on the web at thisweekintimetravel.com. Isn't that clever? Uh, we're also on Twitter at DRWhoThisWeek. I'm on Twitter at numeral2minutetimelord. And Alyssa is on Twitter and Tumblr at Feminism. This Week in Time Travel is also on Facebook. I think you can search it. I think you can find us. This Week in Time Travel is hosted by Jason Snell's The Incomparable Network. You can support our show by becoming a member and ticking the box for This Week in Time Travel and any other incomparable shows that you might like at theincomparable.com slash members. And thanks! Thanks also to Christopher Breen for our original theme music, to David J. Lohr for our original podcast logo and avatar. And thank you, Chip. It has been good to see you. Good to be back after our break, Alyssa, and we will talk to all of y'all. That's a North Carolina term, all y'all. That's the proper plural on This Week in Time Travel next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.